Well then, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Boy, what a way to celebrate Father's Day by opening with that gospel lesson where the father will deliver over his child, children will rise against their parents. These are not very joyous words, but yet there is... Uh, there is a great problem that happens when we preach the word of Christ, is that some will turn against and turn away. But what I want to reflect on today is actually from our second reading in Romans chapter 6, where Paul says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Passions is a, is a really, really fascinating thing when it comes to uh, ancient Christian teachings and things like that. And I feel like often in our church, we neglect these early church fathers. So let's see a show of hands. Have you heard of uh, St. Augustine? Okay, good, good. That's a good handful. So what about Hillary? Nope, okay, Clement. Got a couple for Clement. How about Ignatius? Got a couple for Ignatius, good. Ambrose? Okay, good. You see, we don't study them as much as we should. These are men who studied God's word. They devoted their lives to the teaching of God's word because many of them were pastors, really. And what we have from them are collections of writing just like we do today. We have their sermons. We have letters that they wrote to the people of their church or some friends of theirs. Some of them, like we have pastors today, wrote books, and they actually still survive to this day. And while we don't really take doctrine from them, you know, saying that this is absolutely the word of God and, and we have to follow this exactly to the T, their teaching is still very sound. And I think of it like this. Uh, as we've all kind of walked in our own individual lives as Christians, we've had different pastors in our lives who have, who have taught us either, you know, through their sermons or through Bible studies, and there are sound teachings that come out of those sermons and Bible studies that, that really just kind of stick with us. You might have had one from Pastor Clater or Pastor Snyder or maybe even at a, a previous congregation that you were with. Uh, I, I had a mentor in St. Louis and many of the things that, that he taught me and told me really stick with me to this day. So this is how I want you to observe these early church fathers. These are great pastors who have good things to say. Now, I've read uh, a number of these works and some of the, the works about these works, and the, a big focus for the church fathers is something called passions, which is what Paul's talking about here. And passions aren't necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. They're just a thing. They, I think that we can understand them as these little sparks or impulses in our hearts and lives that will jump up in our minds. It'll be something like this. When you are at the store and you see an open cash register and you get that little mental spark that thinks, you know, I could probably swipe 20 bucks out of that and get away with it. Or you see some dirty dishes in the kitchen and uh, someone was supposed to clean those and you get that little spark in you that starts to get pretty upset about it. Or you see somebody attractive and your eyes start to wander. Or you see that new and shiny thing on the shelf and even though you can't really afford it, you know, ah, there's a little bit of room in my credit card. 
When we look at those things, the money, the incomplete person, the, the incomplete uh, housework, the person enjoying a, a sunny day on the beach, for example, an item on the shelf at the store, there's nothing that is evil or immediately sinful in those things. And I know the person I'm kind of treating as a thing right now, so please forgive me for that. But what is sinful is us. You look at the cash and you swipe a bit. You see the dirty dishes and you fly off the handle and start yelling. You see the person and you lust. You see the item and you are then irresponsible with your money. These are our impulses and these are our passions that will just kind of start in us. And they are not evil in and of themselves, but evil can use these to tempt you to sin. See, these are very easy holds for Satan himself, for sin itself to grab onto and to coax you into sin. At the center of this all is our broken heart. Our hearts, because of sin, are broken, and we are then easily led into sin. We lose control easily. Maybe, honestly, we don't even care. I remember that when I worked in restaurants, uh, we would, uh, there was a pizza place I worked, worked at, and we could see the, the people coming in to get their pickup orders. And if it was uh, a young, attractive woman, you would have the guys in the kitchen who would just be staring her down. And then once she left, they would start making all these sorts of comments. A lot of these guys had wives, they had girlfriends, but they never thought anything of it, right? They were a dog on a chain barking at cars. They were window shopping. They didn't care. And, and since they weren't, they weren't actually acting on these impulses, they weren't doing anything wrong. We turn to scripture, we see Jesus preach his Sermon on the Mount. And in that Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew's, uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus says some really heavy stuff. If you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. If you look at someone with lustful intent, you're guilty of adultery. Now, he's not trying to, to beat us into the ground with guilt or shame or anything, but what he's showing us in this sermon is that the law and the guilt that we have for breaking the law of God does not start with our actions, but with our hearts, with these impulses that we let control us, that we let reign in our bodies. So the question then is, as we look at this and go, what do we do? How are you going to deal with these passions in your heart? How are you going to deal with these temptations that are outside of you? And the reality is that we all have these passions in our hearts. The reality is that there are temptations all around us. Paul says uh, elsewhere in Romans, that, that all have sinned, all have fallen short. Later in Romans 7, one of the, the most profound pieces of Scripture, I don't understand my own actions. I don't do what I want. I do the very thing I hate. He wants to avoid this evil. He wants to do good. And all of us read that and probably identify so fully with it 
because we're all right there. I don't want to do evil. I want to do good. I want to be good. But what comes after this? In Romans 7, Paul says, after pouring out his heart and soul, Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because Jesus is given to us to redeem us for this exact purpose. You and I and all people, we cannot save ourselves. We have these passions that then flare up into temptation. We, we fail and we fall when we are confronted by these things. We cannot control ourselves. Think about that cash register. Our passion that just sparks up in us could be looking at the money. You have two options. You can help others by closing the, the cash register if it's just left open. You could steal. What do you do? And in our brokenness, we, we can't decide. We don't know how to, to, to make the right decision or, or to choose the, the right way to go. But Christ has come to redeem us. You, are, you might have heard me continually talk about the brokenness, and, and I always use that image because that's what's helped me understand it the best, is that I'm broken, that, that this struggle that I have is because of sin and how it, has, how it has destroyed me. And what helps me understand is how Jesus has now made me whole, how he has fixed me through his death and through his resurrection, through honestly a strange course of events this has actually saved us and made us whole and it changes us it, it releases us we read here in in Romans 6 today that that Paul talks about it as being slaves to sin and unrighteousness and now being set free from that set free you don't have to be a slave to these impulses or these passions or these, these feelings or behaviors that you can't control. You are free from your slavery to sin by the blood shed on the cross for you, by the dying and rising of Jesus. So the question continually is, what are you going to do about it? Should we go on sinning so that grace may abound, is one question Paul asks. Today he asks, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under law, but now under grace? Can we just do whatever we want? But right here at the beginning, let not sin reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Change. When we talked just a second ago about catechism in our catechism lesson, we talk about confession and absolution, confessing that we are broken and have done wrong and receiving forgiveness. But there's also that big word that continually comes up in there. When we talked about the office of the keys, we talked about the ability to forgive or withhold forgiveness. 
And one of the keys for withholding forgiveness was on unrepentance. People who are unwilling to change. People who are, are still allowing sin to rule in their hearts and in their lives. People who are still obeying the passions of a mortal body. People who are, are letting sin rule. This is the change that God wants in us. And this is where the fathers are, are very wise. This is John uh, Climacus, who's also known as John of the Ladder, which is a very strange nickname. That's ladder as an L-A-D-D-E-R, like you climb up. He, uh, he lived in the 6th and 7th century. He was a Christian monk, and he wrote, Therefore, one must, pay, uh, one must carefully pay attention to oneself. It, like a flame fanned by strong winds, burns and destroys the spiritual field faster than a slow fire. Pay attention to yourself. These passions can be sparks to temptation that is just fuel for the fire of sin that can destroy the spiritual field that is growing in us. So the question is continually, what are you going to do? Do you take the step to block the wind, to avoid the, the flame being fanned and fed? You know, often I think that we have high hopes that we can stop our temptation, that we can stop and control these passions. But honestly, we're foolish if we think that we can. Oftentimes, those passions will spark up and sin will start to move in our lives. But for me, it's always been very helpful to go to the fruit of the Spirit. Because by being redeemed by the blood of Christ, by being baptized in his, in his rite of holy baptism, being washed and reborn, this is where we receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And where we, like good trees, start to bear good fruit. Paul talks about it in, in our reading earlier uh, in, in chapter 6. And in verse 22, the fruit you get leads to what you get, right? So the fruit that we want to bear leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And these are those fruits. We turn to Galatians chapter 5 and we hear the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That this, these are the things that we now do as those who do not allow the passions or the temptations or sin to rule in our hearts or in our lives. Self-control is that one fruit of seeing these passions and these temptations spark up and actually turning and say, no, I don't want to, to lust. I don't want to hate. I don't want to steal. I don't want to be irresponsible. But notice again that these are called the fruit of the Spirit because these are the Spirit's work in us. Again, we want to control ourselves and we want to do right, but we can't. And this is why God continually blesses us. That the Son has died and risen and, and ascended and rules in heaven is an absolute joy and profound thing that means eternity for us. But he doesn't stop there. 
The Son promises to join with us and be with us. The Father and the Son have declared that they would send the Holy Spirit to be upon us. And as we live our lives and bear fruits like these fruit of the Spirit, this is what it looks like for us. So my advice to you today, stop trying to do it on your own. Because you're lying to yourself and you're fooling yourself if you think that you can control yourself. While we have been redeemed, we live in this this tension right now where sin is still trying to take us back and rule in our hearts and in our lives. But God has blessed you. He has blessed you with forgiveness. He has released you from the slavery to sin. And he continues to bless you by, by walking with you every step of your life to help you in these struggles. When you are faced with this passion that flares up, this temptation that seeks to take hold of you, go to God and say, even as simply, help. Because your Father in heaven does not want you to bear the fruits of sin. He wants you to bear the fruit of the Spirit. He wants you to be filled with self-control and patience and love and joy. He wants you to to avoid the troubles of lust and greed and selfishness. All these little things that that try and drag you down into sin. Because we know what we get when we sin. We get death. Verse 23 is very true. The wages of sin is death. But that's not where Paul stops. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Stop allowing these these passions and these temptations to rule in your hearts and lead you into sin. Rather, turn from them. Repent. Change your lives to then walk as a child of God. Which means that you allow him to lead you and guide you from sin and death into grace and life. Amen? Amen, Amen, brothers and sisters.